All right. Hey, welcome, everybody. This is Kip Etter with Powder and String Outfitters coming to you from downtown Wellington, Kansas. Powder and String, we're your hometown shop. And uh, today I've got Wade Skeen. He's a good buddy of mine. Wade, we've known each other for, I don't know, what, probably seven, eight years, something like that. Close to it. Yeah. Met, um, we met through uh, Ducks Unlimited. And, uh, you know, just had a lot of a lot in common um stayed in touch um would he lived just i mean just about 45 minutes apart from one another whatever but wade is uh he's one of the he's the first uh pro staff member that we're bringing on to our podcast here and um you know with our with our pro staff um, what we're trying to do is um again we want to be that shop that that we're trying to give you the information and, and as we kind of have said before is that you know, here we are with a podcast. Um, we're putting the podcast out because we want to get the information out there. We want to give you the best information we possibly can and what we think is, you know, true and correct. And and, and we want to, you know, bring in the best that we can to, to kind of share that with you. From the heart of Wellington, Kansas, Powder and String Outfitters is your down-home, one-stop shop for all things shooting sports and outdoors. Welcome to the Powder and String Podcast. So Wade's one of our our, our uh, pro staffers, and uh, Wade, you you have uh, skiing outdoors. Um, why don't you why don't you tell them a little bit about your what you got going on and and why we're sitting here today yeah uh, so i'm wade skiing originally from mississippi yeah you hear uh, that you hear that goofy southern talk yeah i don't i don't exactly sound Y'all. like i'm from kansas so yeah. just get that out of the way right from the beginning uh i got stationed up here a little over 10 years ago in the air force um kind of fell in love with it right away finished out my time in the air force and as as time got shorter kind of decided that the dream of working in the outdoor industry was a lot more attainable than I had previously thought. So, um, my, my wife and myself own and operate skiing gun dogs and outfitters. Uh, we've been in business for right about, well, close to three years now. Um, March will be three years. We, our, our, our anniversary is March too. So, Oh, nice. Yeah, that's right. I, uh, well, you're, it was you're close at the same time. Yep. Um, we provide, uh, dog training for, uh, upland and waterfowl dogs uh, as well as guide waterfowl hunts um, we've done a few guided turkey hunts so far um, but we will be expanding into full service turkey outfit this coming spring as well as deer hunting so yeah yeah and i've again known wade and you know stay in contact with him um, we we communicate pretty regularly and you know to see his his operation um, go on to Facebook, um, Instagram. You guys got an Instagram page and Facebook. If you go on to Powder and String, um, we tag each other quite a little bit um, back and forth. And and uh, I mean, just a, just a you know first class operation. Um, if you want to get into some 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 birds, some waterfowl hunting and and turkey, and you know for that matter, even you know I know we've talked a little bit about your deer, and you know we're you'd kind of approach me. You know we're we're a dealer for all season 
um, ASF all season feeders. And so he kind of talked to me a little bit about, you know, blinds and feeders and stuff, um, and kind of expanding into that, you know, that kind of natural expansion with the, the ground and stuff that you have into the deer hunting world. And, um, it's just a, it's just real natural. And, and, and you're an outdoorsman. I mean, you're not just well, a water I, dog. I, I grew up bow hunting. That right. was, you know, I grew up in Mississippi and, um, my dad didn't really care much for waterfowling he didn't, he didn't have much inclination to be out in cold water mm-hmm. um, in January so we we bow hunted uh, whitetails growing up that was that was our primary hunting we did turkey hunting too but uh, you know I would I would go waterfowling with my uncle or my you know, uncles or one of my friends something like that um, but deer hunting is at the root of how I learned mm-hmm. about the outdoors um, was spent in the woods bow hunting um, and and doing deer hunting's always been part of the plan um, for us here it was just you know instead of instead of trying to do too many things at once hey let's, let's give credit where it's due that was Lydia's call she she put the kibosh on us real quick when we started talking about doing deer hunting when when she knew there were still some improvements we needed to make on the waterfowl side yeah you only get one opportunity to make a first impression but we 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 took this last off season this was we're going into our third season now uh took the the time this off season to really make some some drastic improvements personnel changes and stuff like that as far as the waterfowl stuff goes and we're Kind how many of, how many guides do you got on right now? Uh, well, four four guides plus myself, um, plus a full time chef slash lodge manager, mm-hmm. and then Lydia as the administrative head person in charge on yeah. that side. So brains the operation. Yeah, yeah, I know that. Uh, so what is that? Five, six, seven of us. Yeah, total now. Um, and then you've got the family the family um, business theme um with your son yeah but well and both of our kids uh my my son hunts with us a lot and then uh, my daughter does a lot but he's not dog. just hunting i've seen him he's he's out there oh he putting, works putting the work yeah in, yeah, yeah he's not he's Good not a kid spe- he's not a spectator by nature um for better or worse so <laughs> yeah uh, but yeah so we're we're getting ready to we, we did some kind of dipped our toes in the water of guiding turkey hunts last year and that went really well we're really happy with that Uh, so we decided we're going to go ahead and and go full bore with that this spring Um, transition that into the deer hunting because you know our waterfowling here doesn't consistently get good enough to take you know a larger group of of hunters out until about thanksgiving so you know, we're missing out on a big opportunity there for muzzleloader season in September. Uh, you know, some some archery hunting in October, and then really what everybody is wanting the most is those first two or three weeks of November when the rut's full swing, and we're not really guiding duck hunts at that point. Yeah. So, and and one of the things you said just when you were you know first started talking that I really it it actually kind of warmed warmed my heart a little bit is is that. You know, I was born and raised here, left for a while, came back. Um, you know, this is home for us, and, and, you know, we get the term flyover states. Yeah. And, man, I mean, to tell you what, there's some areas, you know, right around here that it's a, it's it's flat. And, yeah. And it and it can be windy, and it can be, uh, you know, 85 or 90 degrees one day, and the next day, 24 hours later, you can be well below freezing. Yeah, Kansas, you know? Kansas is in that stretch of the Midwest where, you know, we – we're right where the, the Arctic air and the Gulf air meets a lot of times. Yeah. So 
it can be as you know, but, par- pardon the pun, bipolar. Yeah, as but, you can imagine. But one of the things that you know you hit on it is you kind of fell in love with it, and and that's one of the things that you know, um, you know, our connection originally came from DU, and and um, my one of the first individuals in the DU organization that I met, a gentleman, uh, first name was Tom. He, uh, you know, he was a, a regional director at the time for DU, um, and we're talking clear back into the '90s. But he. Uh, you know, I asked him one time, you know, you're from, you're not from here. And why did you choose Kansas? And he said, man, you know, you've got for, for, if you look across the board at, at, at just hunting in general, you know, waterfowl, you look at the, the, the mixture of waterfowl, the species yep. of birds. Um, you look at the, um, you know, the, the, the bag limits, um, with regards to like our pheasant and quail, you know, um, I know around here we've kind of taken a little bit of a hit here recently with, with Upland, but I can remember as a kid, um, you know, you could go out um, in of a morning and shoot a full limit of Canadians and greenheads, and then go jump, go, go jump pheasant and quail yeah, in the afternoon. Yeah, and, and and the limit was four roosters and right. eight quail. And I'm not going to say you did it every day, but you could do it probably once a season. You'd worked at it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and well, that's exactly what it was that brought him. He said, man, you just, you know, Kansas, it offers a lot. And then there's a huge diversity too. I, I heard a guy tell me one time that Kansas, if you go from, from the, um, Eastern border of Kansas to Salina, which for, for those that aren't geographically familiar with it, that's about, you know, the Eastern third of the state. And then from there to the Western border, there's more climate, uh, variance or change, yep. if you will. Um, yeah, and just geographical we- weather. Yep. Yeah, change um, from the eastern third to the western two thirds of the state than there is from the uh, eastern border to the east coast. Yeah, well, a lot of people don't realize how big of a state Kansas yeah. is, and I, I didn't until I moved here. I mean, we were we were stationed in Hawaii before we moved here, and I'd look at the map and like looking at places to maybe try to go hunt public land or something when I got out here, just doing a little research ahead of time and. You know, I'd look at it on the map and be like, oh, yeah, that's probably 20, 25 minutes away. And then I get here and I'm driving places and everything's, you know, 45 minutes, an hour away. And, you know, it's just it's just a much bigger place than most people realize when you look at it compared to the rest of the Midwestern states that are all kind of sprawled out and everything. It's it's pretty diverse from, you know, you get into southeast Kansas where you got more hardwoods, kind of like the southeast United States, and then get into, get into the Flint Hills and then the river bottoms from the, the Arkansas River and Walnut River bottoms, and then, you know, keep going west into prairie land and, yeah. you know, badlands and everything yeah, and else. If, so you, you, with, with regards to Kansas, sorry to interrupt you there. Sorry, with, with regards to Kansas, um, you know, for a time I lived out, <laughs> out west in, in Arizona and, you know, another big state. People don't realize how big that state is, but I think there's only like 13 counties or something like that in all right. of Arizona. The yep. counties are humongous. And here we have like a hundred and five or 15 or something like that. And they're still pretty big. Yeah. Oh. And, um, but you can just, you know, in this area, uh, our County alone, um, we've got three different rivers that run through it. And, you know, the, we, we see here in the shop and then, um, also, um, I, I own, as I've mentioned kind of before, I own a, a restaurant and, and bar here, um, in town and we get a lot of, um, of hunters that come in that are, you know, outdoor show personalities and stuff. And, you know, as we've been open over there for well, going on 13, 14 years, um, we've become familiar with them and, you know, 
there is a lot of wildlife. There's a lot of hunting potential here. And I mean, obviously our Kansas bucks, they just speak for themselves. It's, I kind of laugh. I also, I also, um, my wife, um, she, she works in an industry where she's on the road a lot and, and she'll be on location and so on. And sometimes when she's there for a long period, I'll go visit her. And, and I always, um, going down South when she's in, you know, Florida or, or Mississippi, uh, you know, Texas down there, I always want to see, you know, guys, in, guys, pictures of the bass that they, mm-hmm. they catch and sh- they all want to see our deer. Yep. And, uh, you know, around here, I always kind of tell people, man, if you don't, you don't shoot a 165 or better than, I mean, it's a nice deer, but, but it's really not. You know, yeah, if you've got just of, a little bit of patience and persistence, you can. Yeah, it's not hard to kill a really good deer here. We're, I mean, yeah. we're super lucky with that. And we'll but see. then guys around here will get they get you catch them. Oh, I shot one. He's not really that big. Whatever you go out and look in the back of the truck, and yeah, and, and there's a, 150 inch deer. In the yeah, back oh, in 150. The I just yeah. had it happen last week. We had a customer, <laughs> real good customers, come in and said, "Yeah, oh, he was, yeah, you, know, you know, playing it down the ring." I saw the pictures, and I was like, "Well, you know, pictures can kind of, you know, right. they can." They, there's sometimes they 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 tend to. You know, uh, shrink quite a bit when you you know have the shrinkage factor. When you go, look at this thing didn't shrink. When he well, I walked out the front of the store, there you know, there's horns above the tailgate, Hanging up above yeah. the bed of the truck. And yeah. you know, he's he's well, you know, you know, like you know, you got to understand, guy. Hey, that's that deer right there is a deer of a lifetime for ninety five, yeah, ninety eight percent. About forty other states in yeah. the country. Yeah, yeah that, so, that's that's true. And so I mean, yeah, warm my heart to hear you say fell in love with it because there's you know there's a lot of stuff here that you know it's. It's hot and humid. When it's hot and humid, it's windy. But, man, there's also, you know, people are good, and there's all kinds of outdoor opportunities here. Just a great. And the deer hunting was why I originally wanted to move here. Um, When I was was stationed in Hawaii, I kind of had some options of places to look for, uh, you know, availability for my specific job. And there was availability for my job here in Kansas, and so I put into it, put in for it. Um, for that very reason, for bow hunting, because I, you know, I knew just from growing up watching Buckmasters and, yeah. and Real Tree Outdoors and you know Mossy Oak TV and all those kind of old school hunting shows that you'd see on whatever the Nashville Network or whatever it was back in the day. Like you know the biggest the biggest deer and the biggest names were always in Kansas in November. Yeah. And that was where I wanted to be, and then of course I got here and found out about the waterfowl hunting, which was kind of still really quiet at that point like nobody really talked about kansas as a waterfowl destination 10 11 12 years ago um but i got out here and saw what that was like and i didn't buy any deer tags for quite a while right. after yeah. that well and and you know again uh du i've been involved i've personally been involved with du for a really long time and and as i said i've born and raised here but i went i was out west for a while i was in 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 arizona I lived in in the phoenix area and uh, when I first moved out there, this is early 2000s, I, I ran into another uh, real good buddy, uh, became a buddy and, you know, connected through Ducks Unlimited. And uh, he had a he had a, a lease, a family lease um, on, um, um, now I'm drawing a blank on it, but it's the, it's always in all the waterfowl magazines, Ducks Unlimited and stuff about being, you know, one of the top 10 places in the United States to go hunting. It's out there on, like, real close to the Salton Sea, California, on the, along the Colorado River. Yeah, I got you. Um, anyway, um, they had a lease out there and, you know, I was just like, you know, you read about it all the time and everything. So I was just, you know, I'm stoked to go out there and, and uh, we go and this is, you know, this guy's lease was, it was really good. It was a really good lease. And, uh, m- you know, yes, we saw birds, um, but not like not back like here, here, you know, yep. but out there, um, you know, 
as I hunted more when I was out there, come to find out, I mean, that was a heck of a lease, you right. know, but, but there, and the thing that really struck with me there was, you know, we have, um, a large diversity of birds here. I mean, you can literally, you know, from teal to, you know, shovelers, greenheads, right. um, you know, widgeon, gadwall, um, everything, all you know, goose redhead, ever want. yeah, goose, all that. Um, but one of the things that struck me was, you know, I would say, and, and obviously, you know, Wade, you, you, you've got way more experience in this, but, you know, around here, you know, pintail, sprig, you, you're going to shoot, you know. Your fair share. Yeah, you know, yeah. if a guy goes out hunting, you know, real regularly, you you might shoot, you know, of a season, you might get into, you know, six, eight, ten of them a year. If you right. shoot that, that's quite a bit. Well, out there, obviously, the flyway is different. Right. And there's this big... I mean, it was a wad of pintail, you yeah. know, fifty or sixty, which we, you know, we don't we, hardly ever see. No, here. I, I and had, the only I and the only time I ever it. do is during late goose season when duck season. When no when it's over. yeah, there you yeah. go, yeah. So here these are, you know, we're in a blind with guys, and everybody knows, you know, kind of knows the setting and everything, and we're all, you know, you know, brothers, if you will, there in the blind, and and there's one greenhead in this in this group, and I mean, these guys are just slobbering over it. I mean, trying just, to get to that oh, greenhead. Like, yeah, and I'm sitting here going, "You guys can have at that greenhead all you <laughs> I want. want." Those sprigs, I want those sprigs, <laughs> man. So yeah, that's um, my that's that's still my favorite duck by a long shot, and I and I love mallards, and that's yeah. probably seventy five to eighty five percent of what we shoot, and and you'll never ever ever hear me complain um, about shooting a pile of mallards, but. Before I guided, uh, that was that was kind of my saying. Like the only warning you're going to get if a pintail comes in is me clicking my safety off. Mm-hmm. There's not going to be a there's not going to be a shot call. Mm-hmm. You, you better see it and jump before I do. Yeah, yeah, fun, fun. <laughs> and we still get you know we get good pintails here. It's always um, the last the late split end of January. It'll start warming up down on the Texas Gulf Coast and down in Oklahoma. And those those birds will actually start migrating back up, and we'll kind of catch them here in the middle on their way back north, and that's that's when it's good. But the funny thing is, I don't know that. Well, I can't say never. Have. Very rarely do I finish a group of just pintails. Mm-hmm. Now we kill a lot of pintails because they come in with groups of mallards. Yeah, but uh, just a wad of pintails, you got a better chance with. I don't know some really attractive supermodel than you do that group of right yeah, yeah but I'd, I'd have to say that that you know i definitely don't have the experience that you have but you know um i definitely have spent a lot of time in in you know the duck blind and and i would have to completely and totally agree with you yeah. with that um and again that's why you know out there boy it was just they were it was completely the same experience we, we all had the same experience but right. they were salivating over one greenhead and i was salivating over 50 plus uh, pintail. Well, and that's just like guys here that I hunt with that are that are from Kansas all the time. Like I, I get it asked so frequently from from guys around here. It's like, hey, uh, you know where I could go shoot some wood ducks? Mm-hmm. Versus like me growing up in Mississippi, like we would get tired of wood ducks because a lot of times that's all we would have. Really, you know, you you could go jump. Oh, well, as a Kansas go, guy, I can absolutely relate to that. Cause, yeah, man, every time I see a wood duck, <clears throat> it just it gives me that that fluttery yep. feeling. Yeah, there's I mean, there's been several guys I've taken out from here and and you know been there when they got their very first Drake wood duck, and I, you know, they're just on top of the world. Yeah, I, that's, and I and I love what like I, I like the way they look and I like the way they taste. I don't particularly care for hunting them because they're 
they don't really have any regard for you either they're coming or they're not you're not mm-hmm. really going to change their opinion on that but um well but you yeah. kind of hit right there on you know with regards to hunting i mean i think pretty much all of us that are in this industry you know or i say industry because you you know you you make your living in it as as do i right. but but even as outdoorsmen and stuff it's not about the 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 hunt or the uh, excuse me it's not about the killing it's about the hunt it's oh, about yeah. the experience you know one of my you know you, we've talked about turkey hunting um you know i grew up um you know upland bird hunting and it was so good and then got into archery hunting with deer and that's really probably where you know that the pinnacle was i loved archery hunt man yeah. i just that's my thing but then it was natural to to kind of you know i had a, a, a local guy kind of took me in and said hey well, you want let's do some water fountains. And then obviously, you know, I just ate it up. Um, but it wasn't until later, um, you know, I'd probably been hunting for five or eight, 10 years, probably probably close to 10 years, turkey hunting. Holy cow. Yeah. You know, and the interaction and the back and forth and putting them to bed and, and that interaction, the hunt of it. And yeah, if I could, if I could turkey, if I could go out and shoot a fresh limit, quote unquote of turkey every day, instead of, you know, one bird a season or maybe two or three or four if I travel or whatever, I, I could honestly sit here and say turkey hunting is my favorite. Amen, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I, like, that, I love turkey hunting, and that's why, like, I, I think we we took 17 people out on turkeys last year, yeah, and, then, so, and then I think we missed another six or something like that. And that wasn't guiding. That was just taking people turkey hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did that purely because I just love it that much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just so much fun. And, and – you know, it's a lot. It's similar to duck hunting in a lot of ways. In the fact that I, I told some guys that this morning, was like they were they were all big deer hunters. A couple of guys in there, it was their first time ever sitting in a duck blind. I was like, man, here's the beauty of it: if you're with the right people, you don't have to shoot a dang thing to have a good time in a duck blind. Um, and that's and that's why I like duck hunting so much. It's more about sitting there and hanging out and telling jokes and talking trash to each other and stuff like that. And if a wad of greenheads comes in in the meantime, that's just a bonus. But yeah, um, you know, and, oh, tur- that's the and turkey hunting and turkey hunting is a lot like that. You know, you always mm-hmm. got typically you got somebody with you, and you you know hunting together, and you know, the weather's nice, the flowers are blooming, mm-hmm. turkeys are gobbling. Hopefully, the skeeters aren't out yet. Like, yeah, I mean, it's just ticks. it's perfect. Yeah, it's perfect, uh, and yeah. it's the best thing to take kids on. Yeah, and that's the with first time hunters. That's what I tell people: if you want to to you yeah, know, hook somebody, set the hook, sinker, set yep. the hook, yep. take them out well, turkey hunting, and especially here in Kansas because a the our birds here are super vocal compared to like the southeastern birds and stuff like that. B, you got so much visibility. So you know, okay, we didn't kill a turkey, but we had four gobblers strutting out there in the field, 150 yards away, and. You know, we couldn't get them away from the hens, but that nine-year-old little kid that you took hunting Ear for to the ear. first time, like, thinks that's the coolest experience of their life, even though they didn't I'll never forget thing. the first time I saw a Tom come in close enough that you could see the iridescent and yeah. the head changing and yep. all that, and just his... You could feel the yeah the drumming the yeah the, the drumming and you yep. could feel that you know the, 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 he was the, the the rocks and the sand and dirt you know kicking it just it's just like oh my yeah, there's gosh no, there's, why did I wait so long yeah there's nothing and actually that one right there I missed him at like twelve <laughs> yards of course you yeah. did because you were shaking looked, like my a leaf. buddy looked at me and said 
what? <laughs> I'm like, dude, I don't have any idea. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what day it is. Yeah, I don't know what like, happened. That was yeah. crazy. No, yeah. tur- tur- dude, turkey hunting is so much fun. I, I, I miss it already, and it's not even. We're not. Even I'm looking forward to it, and like I said, it's it's just a ton, a ton of fun. But you know, you talked about we said hunt, so you know, I want to I want to have you kind of elaborate and talk a little bit. You know, let's talk about calling. Let's talk about you know spreads. Let's talk yeah. about you know. You know what is it as as a person who makes a living in this um, industry with regards? Let's you know let's talk let's talk about waterfowl spreads. What do you put out? Field hunt water. You know just just kind of elaborate and tell us. Well, I, I, so I can't really take credit for this, but the there one of my best friends, Neil Dixon, that like he and I cut our teeth duck hunting in Kansas together. He had just started hunting. I just started hunting here. Like he made up the like the rules, and you know rule number one was scout. Find yeah. the birds. Like, amen. Rule number two, hide. You know, if, even if you're in the right spot, if the birds can see you, they're not going to come in. Rule number three and four or three and three A were decoys and calling. Because mm-hmm. if you get the first two right, what? you got a lot of leeway on the next two as far as whether or not you can still have a successful Man, hunt. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Old timer that taught me, this guy, um, he's since passed, but just, you know, in this area was just an absolute icon, Kenny Mauser. Mm-hmm. Um, this guy was, you know, showing me the ropes. I was probably 14 and he sticks his hand outside of outside of the blind and there's, you know, birds way off working and he just puts his hand st- out straight, you know, straight out the grass and has it just sitting there completely still. And these birds are working, you know, for 20, 30, 40 seconds, a minute, whatever. And then here they are working. I mean, they're committed. They're coming in, you know, mm-hmm. and he just takes his hand and he just turns it over and that's it. Poof. And them things just took off. <laughs> yep. And he did that to, to kind of show me. Yeah. Um, you know, of course, around here, we can do that. I was going to say, we're lucky to live in a place where you blow an opportunity like that and it doesn't yeah. ruin your whole no, day. No, because we, we limited <laughs> out that day. But, man, you know, you want to talk about, you know, he's, I think, I think Kenny was probably, you know, definitely in his late 60s, maybe even, you know, mid 70s yeah. at that time. Uh, I could sit down and do the math, but it doesn't matter. But that guy, he was, he, you know, he was an outdoorsman and, and then some. Yeah. Just, uh, you know, and to, 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 you know, share that knowledge with me. Yep. So yeah, you're right. You gotta, you gotta know where they're at, you know? Um, and, and, you know, if there's nothing there, then you ain't, yeah, you're, you're success you're bird watching, but concealment, man. Yep. Yeah. And, and movement. It's just, you know, I, I, I can't tell you how many times, and I know you, you, you know, you know this, you get first timers or even guys that have been out a long time and they're in the blind and they, oh, you know, yeah. you're covered up and, and they're moving their head all around. You're like, dude, they can see you. Yeah, we we put an insane amount of top cover over our blinds and stuff like that, just for that. And and the biggest thing is like just keep it keep keep the guys in the shadows. You like you don't have to mm-hmm. have it just uber closed off, but keep the keep the sunlight out of there um, and give guys something to kind of tuck under. Look, they came here to see the show, mm-hmm. so I can't get mad at them for wanting to watch the show. Yeah. So it's my job as the guy to, to hide them in a way where they can still see what's going on and enjoy the hunt. So like I don't. I guess it is a little different when when you're in that scenario as opposed yeah. to where we're. You know, you know my experience is is always been you know because we're here and we have the opportunity is is it's two or three or four of your buddies and you got up at two or three in the morning and you've been out there putting decoys out or whatever and you know freezing or sweating whichever right. what the weather is and then so you and your buddies so then you can get mad at them but. Yep. You know, it's clients a little different for sure. Yeah, I mean, and so I mean, and that's why I mean, we use 
A-frame style blinds more than anything else because we can we can, we can get away with a lot more with that by putting yeah. some cedars over the top of us and and really doing keeping ourselves in the shadows and stuff like that. You I mean you can't go overboard with it, but at least the guys can kind of watch the birds work and especially for guys. I mean we get some legit duck hunters like they duck hunt just as hard as I do. Mm-hmm. They just live in an area where they don't have that type of yeah, uh, you know that type of waterfowl habitat numbers whatever it is. So like these guys have been they've been duck hunting longer than I have sometimes, but they don't live somewhere where you can have fifty greenheads dump in on you. Yeah, so well, like and 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 he's not he's not lying, guys. Fifty greenheads. I mean. <laughs> I've been out and had a hundred. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. 50 greenheads is, is like regular, you know, it, it could get way more absurd, but well, and with that, you know, again, what I, my experience has always been is, is that you, you get 50, a group of 50 is harder to work than a group of eight or 10. Oh, absolutely. And like, I want really in a perfect world, I want threes, fours, fives coming in every five, 10 minutes throughout the morning. That's what, that's a perfect morning and, and, for me. And a lot of the reason is that is, is we talked about concealment is is that more eyes, more eyes. Thank you. Yeah. And people can't shoot when it's that many birds. Yeah. I, well, distinguishing which I, bird. I've been doing this for thirty-one years, and I still flock shoot sometimes. It, more so like on calling a big pile of lessers in or something mm-hmm. like that than with ducks. But like it is so much easier to concentrate when there's four to 10 birds across the front of you versus 50 to a hundred. So let's talk about that real quick because, um, I've had that experience where you just, I mean, I've, I've been lucky enough, um, snow goose hunting, uh, where, I mean, when I say that the sky is dark, it's yeah. covered, it is dark and covered, but we had a, you know, when, the first time we ever experienced that, my buddies and I, we all kind of, you know, after the fact, had a conversation, um, maybe slight argument. Um, when do you shoot? You know, we had times where where we had, you know, eight or ten or one or five or seven right. birds that were, you know, definitely within shooting. But we said, oh, let's let the rest well, of yeah, them come in. The big, wait and on then the we group. didn't shoot anything. Right. So what? I mean, that's the, the <laughs> well, you're the guy. As, but, a, as a guy, that's the million dollar question. I mean, we hunted, we hunted a little pond over by Oxford two or three days ago and. I mean, this pond had somewhere between five and ten thousand geese on it. For and like, around here, when he says ponds, I, I, just so the view, cattle the pond. Yeah, we're talking. This thing's two acres. That's a huge pond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's, maybe it's not two acres. Maybe it's an acre, but it's a bigger pond for you know a cow pasture in Kansas. And uh, like it had five to ten thousand geese sitting on it you, for three or four days. So to the point so the, to where it was. Wall to wall geese in the water, and then there were several that's thousands. What was, yeah, that's what I was just going to say. To paint on, the picture, the banks. to paint yeah. the picture, you yeah. you can't put another bird on. The yeah, water. you could walk across the geese without getting your feet wet. Right, and then there were ducks mixed in there too. So this was a juicy hunt, for lack of better terms. And um, you know, it I was, like that. We were we juicy. were dealing with that same thing. Uh, we we had a group of about fifty geese. Just they locked up from Nebraska. I love didn't that. and these were lessers too they weren't honkers and and like they're just committed you know they're going to do it the whole time and i had some some guys in from um man i think they were yeah they were some of them were from tennessee most of them were from mississippi and uh so while we're waiting on these these 50 geese to just get the rest of the way that last 20 30 yards two green heads swoop in and are like eye level 
five yards in front of us. <laughs> and the guy down on the other end of the blind, his name was Paul, and he's just like the, the clown of the group. Like, mm-hmm. kept us rolling the whole time they were here. He's like, um, are we going to shoot these ducks? And I'm like, do not <laughs> shoot those two ducks. And it worked out. The 50 birds came in. I think we shot six or seven out of it. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Because had those geese boogered and I let those two greenheads out, I would have been, you know, got the bonehead, bonehead of the day award yeah. for that and never, never heard the end of it. Well, and again, it comes uh, back to it's the hunt. Yeah. It's hunting. Yeah. You never know, especially yeah. with geese, especially with yeah. little geese. I mean, that's, you know, it's one of the, it's called hunting, not, not killing. Yep. It's called, you know, fishing, not, not catching. I, my, I mean, most of the time, my rule is pretty hard and fast. You take what you can get. Yeah. If there's I mean, a bird in the decoys, I don't care if there's 50 more working over the top. Like, I'm usually going to call that shot because, you know, you just never know. You're like, oh, yeah, wait on the big group. And then that bird gets up and flies out and you got nothing. Right. Um, now, this was a little bit different just because I knew these geese were. Well, experience as well. And yeah. you had the experience. I had to get in there every day for the and last you, yep. for, for three or four days. Scouting. Yep. So you'd been scouting it. So you had. You know, one and two clearly were checked off. Yeah, they were taken rules. care of. Yeah, I mean, we'd already killed 20 birds that day, so we knew yeah, we were hitting well. Um, so, so so back to decoys, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm a water guy. I almost – I prefer to water hunt over field hunting just because we're in Kansas. It's a little drier than average here compared to maybe other places in the country. Well, and right now we're in a – I mean, a serious – we went from Yeah, June, a little drier does not even begin to cover we where we're at right June, now. We went from June – Mid to late June, yeah. and we didn't get any. So the first of October, we didn't, yeah, we didn't get, get anything. We didn't get. I mean, when I say yeah. we didn't get anything, we didn't get a drop. It was dry as a popcorn fart. It was dry, yeah. people. Um, uh, and we've gotten um, we've gotten a few good rains yeah, now. I mean, we but but it's still we're not back to square. No, I mean, we, not even close. From June, I would say cumulatively, right now here in in, in you know this area, um, we're we're just south of Wichita, halfway between Wichita and, and the Oklahoma border. Um, you know, right on Interstate 35, I would say we've probably had less than five inches in any in, in six months, maybe six inches. I don't, I mean, I don't think, and I know up, yeah. up a little bit north of here, they've you know, between here and Wichita, even they've had a lot more, but yeah. but anyway, not just trying to paint. We're, the we're, we're somewhere close to half the yearly average right now mm-hmm. on rainfall, so we're dry. Um, yeah, back to decoys. So, water's a little more scarce around here. So I tend to go to water because it condenses the birds down for you a little more versus field hunting. You can't throw a rock without hitting six cornfields. So I put the odds in my favor most of the time, and I'll go hunt the birds on the water. Mm-hmm. Um, the other big thing about that is is when you've got a 160-acre or 320-acre whatever field, you can set up on this side where the birds mm-hmm. were yesterday, and they go land on the other side of the field, and you sit there and twiddle your thumbs all day. Um, more frustrated than if you didn't see any birds. So yes. I like to I like to focus on the water. I don't overthink decoys. I'm from Mississippi. Keep it simple. Um, like, well, you hit that on the head. Yeah, yeah right. Keep it simple for uh, you. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I pretty much any decoy spread I throw, especially on the water, is going to be some variation of an L or a J where I'm going to yeah. use. I'm going to use. We almost all of our hunts are combo ducks and geese. So right, and that's one of the things. Just again to, to paint the picture for listeners around here. It's real, real. I would say it's almost, almost one hundred percent. Your spread's going to have uh, mallards and Canadians. Yes, yeah. If you don't have, if you don't have geese in your spread, even if you're just purely duck hunting, you're kind of missing the boat there. Because 
at the end of the day, and I had credit Bill Will Roth from Dakota Decoy with this, but the best duck decoy is a goose decoy. Yeah. And if you don't believe it, go goose hunting during late, late goose season and don't put out anything but goose decoys and watch the pintails yeah, how many? You know, bomb in or, or mallards or whatever. But anyway, so some variation of, of an L or a J, I'm going to use the long leg. It's usually going to be my ducks. They're going to be running uh, along the bank closest to the blind and then i'm going to use my geese as my blocker um on the the short leg of the l or the hook on the j um and i'm just going to leave a pocket in there and you know if it's bright and sunny i'm probably going to have spinners out there if it's overcast and foggy or rainy i'll probably leave the spinners out Mm -hmm. um i like to use and when you say leave them out you're not going to put them you're going to leave them leave them in a trailer yeah yeah um i like to use about five dozen floaters uh probably well, maybe a little bit more six seven dozen floaters so four to five dozen duck floaters with a dozen or two goose floaters a lot of guys like throw big goose floater spreads i don't really like to do that because i hate goose floaters um so i just use a dozen or two of them to show the geese where i want them to land on the pond and then i use the bank for my numbers and that's where i'm gonna you know put out silhouettes or full bodies or whatever to kind of be the eye-catching deal from from a distance give that comfort yeah well i mean you know it's we've gone to having more and more and more lesser canada geese here now versus graders they travel in big packs Mm -hmm. and you know if you want to be able to have a good chance at pulling some that maybe didn't plan on coming where you are you've got to you've got to bulk up your decoy spread and and the easiest way to do that's with decoys on land whether it's silhouettes or full bodies or or whatever so that's usually where I put my numbers. It's not uncommon for me to have 10, 15 dozen decoys on the banks, mm-hmm. not, you know, not counting what's out in the water. Um, and that, you know, that's kind of my go-to everyday spread for, for water hunts. Um, field hunting, we do it. Some, well, some of the you, guys like it more than I do. Before you go to the field hunting, let's talk about, I just want to just kind of touch base on that J or the L mm-hmm. that you speak of. Same thing I heard from... You know, people that, you know, learnt me, if you will. I'm going to try yeah. and talk a little Mississippi. Yeah. That learnt me to, to waterfowl hunt. But with regards to that, you're you're not – you kind of – you talked about scouting. If you watch when you're out scouting, yeah. you're replicating, duplicating what those birds are doing naturally in the, you know, in the element. Uh, for on the most own. part, yeah. yeah. I mean, so you're going to see that if you're out scouting. And that's one of the things that, you know, at least for me personally, that's what I do. And and even when, when calling, uh, I'll go scouting, I'll just listen. Yeah. You know, or see, but but that J or that L, you're you're creating, you're, you're kind of, you're obviously trying to set yourself up strategically to right. where you're going to get the most, based upon the wind, based upon the sun, based upon all the different, you know, the terrain and everything. But you're trying to set yourself up for the best success, but also do it in a natural fashion to where those birds, and we've all been in that experience where those birds start coming in and then just something ain't right. Yep. And then the next set comes and then something ain't right. Well, Something's wrong. So, so, all right, so here's the difference on that between sliding and, and flaring, and this is like the most important mid-hunt tactic you can ever use. So you got to determine whether or not did the birds flare or did the birds slide. So if they came over the spread and they started flapping fast and they gained altitude um, and, and went the opposite way as fast as they could, that was a flare. If the birds flare, 
90% of the time, it's your hide. Don't go move the decoys if the birds are flaring. They're seeing something in the hide. Um, so, you know, if you see that, get some more brush, get guys to get their faces down, whatever it is. Uh, get get more in the shadows. Use the shadows to your advance. Um, will you, will you, um, you know, one of the things that, that um, we kind of talked about here is the the sun. Yeah. Um, with regards to that, will you will you set up to where I know it's kind of a, a known taboo? Don't set up with the sun in your face, but those those are wild animals, and they're going to use all the elements they can to their advantage. If you have a layout where with the wind and everything in the natural terrain, will you just pass on a spot, or will you? No, I won't pass on a spot. I'll I'll. I'll uh, side shoot them a lot of times, you know, Mm -hmm. I I don't, I don't think, I mean, we'll hunt with the sun in our face sometimes, Uh, you know, obviously try not to, we want it more at our back, but um, you can, uh, a lot of people try to hunt with the birds, with the wind directly at their back and the birds approaching directly in front of them. I actually don't like to do that. I prefer to side shoot birds um, because then they're not looking at us when they're coming in. Yep. Um, and I honestly, I think I shoot better with that constant, like speed coming across the spread versus the, the backpedaling and falling and all that kind of stuff when mm-hmm. they're direct on, on the face. But, um, but yeah, I mean, when, in regards to the sun, I'm always going to try to put us in the shadow somehow, some right. way, whether it's dropping down below the levee onto a mud flat or getting underneath some trees or just whatever we can do. Um, right. You know, any any time you can use that to your advantage, that's that's going to play play largely. Um, if you can get the sun to your back or off your side, so that the birds are looking into the glare on the water as they're coming in, right? That's another big big factor because that's gonna, great point. That's yeah. gonna that's gonna keep their focus off of you and the blind and them really focused in out on the decoys and stuff like that. Um, we covered all the water stuff um, as far as how I like to set up and stuff like that. When it comes to field hunting, um, it's really situational dependent. Again, if we're hunting ducks in the field, uh, it's a lot less gear intensive. Um, still going to use goose decoys because a lot of times we're still shooting combo hunts. Uh, spinners are key in the fields for ducks. Uh, I don't know what it is about it, but it just seems to be the the end all be all and the more the better for field hunting ducks um numbers wise you know if you've got if you've got a good field that that mallards are just pounding that field if you can get 10 15 dozen decoys out there and and a good number four to eight spinners you're going to be in good shape usually um for canada geese which primarily we're shooting lessers here now um bigger is better at the at the end of the day at the end of the day, you're going to want, you know, if you're not throwing probably 30, 40, 50 dozen decoys, whether it's full body silhouette, socks, whatever, you're, you're probably not going to compete most days with the birds. Because um, one thing, too, around these areas, and again, what works here doesn't always, you know, translate or, or carry over to different areas, but but here – this area is wide open. Oh yeah, and yeah. It's flat, and anywhere, you can see, especially if you you know with those birds, they've got elevation. Yep, you can see for miles. Yeah, if you get if you know pretty much anywhere in the central flyway, whether you're talking about you know the Dakotas, Nebraska, Kansas, Oklahoma, the Panhandle of Texas, where lesser Canada goose hunting is really becoming the 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 soup du jour, you're gonna see 
that same thing over and over and over again because mm-hmm. like we won't even fool with a, a lesser feed until it gets to 5,000 birds. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just not worth it. Um, I, I mean, I guess I should say never, but very rarely are when we When you going say to. feed, you're yeah, talking, we're, we're talking scouting. About, yeah, we're scouting, and we've, we find lesser geese on a milo field or corn field or wheat field, you know, I should, maybe I shouldn't say 5,000. Maybe I should say 2,000. But there's got to be a large number of geese in that field for us to even consider hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just because of their, their schizophrenic personalities. They're like a school of fish. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't make a lot of sense most of the time, so you got to get the numbers in your favor. You know, If you can get a feed of 10, 15, 20,000, the odds of getting more flocks to you know mm-hmm. do it right are better. And um, and and those birds you're finding them when you're you know if you're hunting the field you're typically those birds are they've been on the water for the night and then they're coming off the water and then they're going out to to, to feed yeah an average day um you know if it's 30 for the low and 50 for the high those geese are going to feed twice a day yep um you know if it's a nice sunny bluebird morning they're going to sit till 7 30 8 o'clock till the sun gets up a little bit so they don't have to worry about the water freezing back behind them. They're going to get up. They're going to go out to feed for anywhere from an hour to two to three hours. And then they're going to go back into to a loaf pond. Sometimes this might be the same pond that they roosted on overnight. Typically, they're going to break up into some smaller ponds and stuff like that, which is that's my favorite place to hunt them. Um, and then they'll sit on that loaf pond till you know, 3, 4, 5 o'clock that evening. They'll go back out and feed again on a dry field. Uh, until dark and when i say dark i mean dark right uh, they'll fly from the feed to the roost in pitch black dark a lot of times right. to the point that when i'm scouting i purposely position myself where i'm looking towards the southeast or the southwest uh those last few minutes to catch that skylight uh of the sunset for the even, silhouette yeah even you know even 30 minutes, 45 minutes past dark on a clear night, you can still silhouette them. Um, so that's that's a standard goose day. So so now when you're talking about these loaf ponds and stuff like that, is that something that, I mean, with my experience, I'm assuming that that's something where those birds are going to continue and there's food. As long as there's food in the area and yep. not a weather change, they're going to go back to that pond. That's going to be their, their daytime their, yep, hangout. That's their hangout until and, they're disturbed until or the they're feed changes. Uh, if they're if either the feed changes or they're disturbed, um, you know that's or. So when you're when you're doing what you're doing, how many days do you get to hunt that loaf pond? Only once. Okay, that's what. That's yeah, what I, I mean, assuming, I'm a, but that's why I asked. Now, now, that's relative. I may only hunt it once this week, and then I'll hunt again next yeah. week, and then because you're going to get days later, and I'll hunt it again. Because the, the other thing you got to take into account too, especially looking at our forecast for this week, that's, as soon yep. as you get that big weather change. It's like move, they, birds move out, new it's, birds it, in. Well, it's instant amnesia. Even the birds that stay, their their whole pattern resets because new birds come in. Everything gets shuffled pattern. in the in the deck, and then so you know all bets are off. And some ways that's awesome if they're in a crappy pattern that's been kicking your butt for the last couple of weeks. Some days it sucks though because if, you're fortune if you, telling. If you've been banging them out for the last two weeks and you know what these birds are juicy. doing, yeah, if it's juicy. 
then <laughs> if uh, you get that weather change, then you got to start from scratch and, and relearn and the make pattern. It, make it juicy again. Yeah, wait on it to get juicy. Yeah, um, there you go. So. so now you also, one other thing you, you, you touched on and, and was making sure that the water doesn't freeze behind them. Let's talk about, you know, around here, again, we have weather swings. Next week, they're calling for single, single digits. digits. 10, now, 10, 11, 12 straight days where the highs don't get above freezing. Now, that there, in my experience... Is juicy. Is juicy. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's made for juicy because... Yes. You just you kind of touched base earlier. You said you know this area is dry. Yep. You know, and and I I'd kind of touched base on we're we're a, a an area where there's not the, the ponds aren't very big, so there's not a lot of water. But we also have rivers and and those yep. play into this into this equation, if you will. I know those rivers definite because it's moving water. Yep. So tell us about freezing in this next week. What what are you going to do different? Ah. Uh. First thing you do is target moving water. Second thing you do is target big water. Um, because the big water is going to take longer for the temperature to get below freezing. Correct. So the deeper it is, the warmer that water is underneath. But yep. the, also the other thing that people don't realize, and I get this question. I, I got this question today while I was driving here. I got a text message from a guy that's coming in to hunt next week asking if we were going to call the hunt off because it was going to be so cold. Oh, my goodness. Yep. And they're like, well, aren't the birds all going to move out? No. South Central Kansas is the end of the flyway for a large majority of the mallards for the Central Flyway and the Canada geese for that matter. Uh, we don't get enough snow here, and snow is what really drives migration, not cold weather. Uh, rivers, yeah, those birds can take cold like no other. Well, and they you'll see built for it. You'll see birds hang up on Kansas Department of Transportation ponds on the side of the interstate. You'll see two hundred thousand birds yeah. pile up in there, and they'll keep that water open. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. What, you know what he's speaking of is right here. We're, we're right on I thirty five, and there's some ponds up there right around the Wichita area. Yep. And that's a whole nother kind of a whole a whole nother ecosystem. It's, it's kind of its own ecosystem, yep. and 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 we around here we know that. Yep. But, but those ponds, um, you know, Wichita, the the Arkansas River, <clears throat> as we call it here. Um, we we got our our podcast guy over here. He's from Arkansas and and he's shaking his head. But Bunch of idiots. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but Billies. around here, if you call it the Arkansas River, people look at you cross-eyed. Yeah, but, they they really know you're not from around. Yeah, here. but but um, as as the Kansans, uh, we as we've turned uh, termed it the Arkansas River. Um, you so just that, avoid the whole topic by calling that's it the Ark. Right. Yeah, the right. Ark. Yeah. So anyway, the, but but that area has a lot of sand in it, and so those are sand ponds that they, you know, long time ago they dug them out, and those things are deep. I don't know what how deep. Well, they're but they're deep. They get groundwater in them. Yep. They've got they've got um, and water then, into them. And then you you get the birds on there, and the and birds they will you you can literally watch them come and go in shifts. Yes. Yes. So that they'll keep the water open. And so, you can for for being around these parts, or if you've ever driven through this area. In you know from about you know mid December through even into mid mid February, yeah. you'll see those those bodies of water, and they're probably two to four acres. Some of them maybe yeah, one. Some and of them, half, are, two. Yeah, some of them are a little bigger than that, but um, they're not not they're not huge. They're not what most people would consider a lake. Well, where you're at, but around yeah. here, those are big. Yeah, that's, that's a big, big body water. Of water. I mean, they're big enough water. You know, around here, if you get twenty acres or more, that's a lake. Yeah, here. Yeah, um, so. Those you you you'll know when you drive by those. Yeah. They have some birds on them now. Tens man. of thousands, if yeah. not hundreds of thousands. And you know, so two, going back to the freezing. Yeah. So two years ago, it got down to negative eighteen, nineteen, twenty. One Cold. night. Uh, that was when early, the freeze went all the way down into Texas. Yeah. Early February, 
Um, it didn't get above freezing for a daytime high for over three weeks. I've got videos of tens of thousands of ducks and geese still sitting here. And people, when I'm telling you, it was cold. Yeah, it was bad. It was cold. Um, so at the end of the day, we don't lose birds to the cold in South Central Kansas. Um, so it goes back to what we're talking about, food. Yep, it's food. And then um, we've got an abundance of that because of no-till farming. You know, our, our farming practices in this area of the country leave a significant amount of waste grain around where farmers, you know, harvest their crops. They'll turn around and they'll drill wheat right on top well, of it. They never turn the dirt over. Yeah, and let's and talk that about that just real quick is, is that it's not the it, – it's an abundant amount of wheat, but the efficiency that these farmers have today is head and shoulders tenfold what it was. But the in the old days, so to say, which it wasn't even really that long ago. Right. I mean, we're talking less than 20, 20 years, years ago. 20 years ago, yeah. These farmers were turning that dirt over right. with implements and plows and, yep. and discs and chisels and all these different implements they use. They were turning it over three, four, five times from the time that they harvested it, whatever their, their, their um, crop, crop was yep. to the time that they're putting in the new crop for planting. And yep. now – with no-till, which is, I would say, 95% plus of the farmers around no-till. Oh, yeah. When we Because of the drought and, and, and less productive uh, uh, yields this year, we saw a little bit more uh, turnover on fields than we normally do. Um, but yeah, it's and the less a, production was because of the, because the of drought. the drought. Yeah. It was just dry, but man. you know, like still vast, vast majority, no-till farms here. And, and for all you guys down South that think, you know, all the different theories on why duck migration has changed in this dude's opinion, that's actually what it is. No-till farming took over and we have an abundance of food sitting well, on the ground here and it doesn't have anything to do with flooding anything. No, and if um, you're a if you're a duck and you got to fly literally from one end of the globe to halfway to the other, yeah. I mean you're flying all those miles if you don't have to do that anymore. Right. Because there's food. Yeah. And they did that so they could get, you know, they're they're flying all those thousands of miles so that way they can get fattened up for to the, make babies. To, to make babies and yep. they're going to fly back to, you know, they don't have to go as far, and, right. and and farming practices have changed. Literally, I mean, they've been tossed on their head yep. in the last twenty years. Yep, between so, GMO seeds making it possible to grow like grain into more northern tier environments where you used to not see corn and milo right, and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, it's the world we live in, whether you like it or not. Um, and that's why we in this area of the mid Midwest, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Kansas, has seen this huge spike in waterfowl numbers especially when it comes to the geese um all this grain sitting there on the ground um so back to the freeze up <laughs> um target big water target moving water um target more dry fields the colder it gets the more the birds have to intake carbohydrates this means they're going to come off of wheat and invertebrates and moist soil habitat in the water and they're going to start hitting dry fields more to hit milo and corn um, they have to move, they have to feed uh, to keep their body temperatures up and maintain weight in those colder temperatures. Uh, it also provides another advantage to hunters because as those smaller bodies of water start locking up, you're starting to congregate these birds. Even more concentration. So you can see them better when you're scouting. Um, well, just like you and said, then, and then you know, shifts. Yep. And then you don't have to worry about, you know, birds just being scattered here, there, and everywhere. You're going to see them start building up in big congregations. A lot of times, those big congregations are going to be on places that nobody can hunt, mm -hmm. like a K dot pond or 
you know, just whatever. Places where nobody lets anybody hunt, they know they're safe there. That's okay. Don't screw with them. You can you can shear that sheep a hundred times, but you can only skin it once. So leave them be, and then just target them going on and off that roost Scouting. to feed. Yes, scout, scout, and then when you get done with that, have somebody else scout, and y'all talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, and then you speak of that, and I just maybe I know um, because I've heard it here in the shop, and I know from speaking with you, and 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 it's you know kind of a small world, if you will, you don't look at other guides in this area necessarily as competition. You guys are on the phone talking or other hunters in this area. You guys are talking about the only other guide that's in my neck of the woods that guides day in, day out full time. Like I do just call me about five minutes ago while we're sitting Mm -hmm. here recording this because he's out scouting right now Mm -hmm. and I help him. He helps me. Yeah. There's more Um, than in this area. Oh, There's plenty of birds. There's plenty of people to take on. We're lucky enough. Yeah. Again, you know, from what we touched base on at the very start of the podcast, there is, there's, you know, there's enough yeah. wildlife around here of all species that you, you just, if you work, you work better, you work together. Yep. Because these are smart animals. I mean, oh yeah. Yeah, they're they're good as as a whole. They're, they're smart. good at individually. Alive. They're they're dumb. But so yeah, if you you know, and this and this doesn't have any. Even if you're not a guide, if you're a freelance hunter that's just fun hunting, buddy hunting, whatever you want to call it, work with the dudes in your area. Don't bang heads against each other hunting field side by side or, you know, roost shooting or whatever. Talk to each other. It's way better to have eight dudes in one blind than it is four here and four there and compete for the birds all morning. Well, and another thing that we need, you know, again, painting the full picture for our listeners out there, we, we want to make sure that public ground is almost non-existent or or state ground or federal ground i it, think kansas it, it is, we're in the top five or the bottom five percent for for state ground access in kansas unfortunately now we're lucky in the sense that there's enough private ground and more acres than there are people you can still get access and, here and the farmers look you know these animals are affecting negatively the farmers if they grow dollar. wheat you can get access to shoot geese on their property, right. just about guaranteed. Wellington is 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 we hold the the title of the wheat capital of the world, yep. so we don't grow as much wheat as we used to right. twenty years ago. But we still there's still plenty of a bunch of wheat yep. around here, and those birds will go out on a wheat field and they like that green to switch it up too. Yeah. Oh yeah. On on evenings, uh, sunny warm evenings, or even on you know you get a warm up. They're going to go back to the grass, and they'll go, go out there on a on a on a field. You know these farmers plant that that. They sow it. They yeah. sow the sow the, they drill sow the wheat. Drill it. Um, they do that in September, and yep. so this stuff's got a good three to four inch stand on it. Right. If it in a good year when they've got rain, yep. and it's not uncommon for we're, the number of birds we're talking about. They can go out there and they can, oh they'll wipe it out. They can clean yeah. the entire field. It'll look like a dirt field. Yep, and they can do a quarter section in in a day or two. Yep. Yeah, if so, you get, I mean, if you get fifteen twenty thousand geese on a on a feed, I mean, they will they can clean it out quickly. And, and again, going back to scouting. They're only going to be even if it's on a you know on a on a on a ground that they're that they're that was had corn on it or had milo on it that you know that your the, the food the food source is the grain that was left behind by the by the combine. Yep. They're going to clean that thing. F- I mean, I'm telling you, when I say they clean it, they clean it. Oh yeah, we you, had a we had a feed that I was watching and, and I hunted a pond across the road from it, but I could watch the feed from my back porch. Um, and it made it up to 50,000 geese. Mm-hmm. And they they just got – they've been on it for six weeks now. They just got off of it 
two days ago and kind of started dispersing. But it was it was a it was a one sixty that was uh it wasn't harvested. It was bush hogged. Oh, uh, so or or just or yeah. just cut and bailed because so, of the so, conditions because of the drought and so literally uh, there were just the ears of corn were laying on the ground so it took them a long time to eat it out but you know as that uh, one that's been harvested under normal conditions four days uh days yeah if you for, if you get five I mean, you 10, said 15, a 160 you're talking a quarter yeah if in, you get five ten fifteen thousand geese on quarter a, section yeah they'll they'll eat it out pretty quickly um but yeah, and that's and that's good too because just like this particular field was actually inside city limits, so nobody could hunt it. Mm-hmm. So you really couldn't do much with it. Now we hunted them on the loaf coming off of the pond and had a couple good hunts that way. But then they learned what ponds not to go to. So back to ice cold. Yep. So moving water, big water. Moving water, big water. Go dry field hunt more. Mm-hmm. Talk no water. How about that? Um, you know, and then. You have options on some of your small. We use ice rippers. Um, you know. Now, do you in those conditions when you're you're hunting on the river and stuff? Is that a smaller spread? No, no. no I'm. I've never left a hunt one single time in my entire life and said, "Damn, if we would have thrown less decoys today, I bet we'd have got more birds." Never. Now I've left a hunt a bunch of times and said. I wish we'd have threw a few more decoys out there today, and we probably could have pulled those birds. So if I got the time and the resources, I'm throwing it out there. And when it gets cold, I'm going to go even bigger with that because at that point, like we talked about, those birds are congregating up. They're usually going to be in bigger flocks. I'm throwing the kitchen sink. Yeah. Um, And my guides hate me for it sometimes. (laughs) But like I said, I've I've never walked away from a hunt and wish I'd thrown less decoys. How many on your guides, how many – groups what group sizes are you are you taking uh six to eight hunters typically mm-hmm. is what we're what we're going with. six is like the perfect number mm-hmm. um i mean so, for those guys that want to reach out to you and set up a hunt and yeah. like i said i can't i can't tell you i mean if you couldn't tell throughout this you know this conversation here um you're going to get a first class hunt with wade you're getting you're getting you're gonna get you're going to get fed great you got great accommodations um yeah, if anybody, if anybody wants to check out any of our stuff, just go to our website. It's just skeenoutfitters.com. Our, um, Instagram. Yeah, you're ske- on Instagram. Skeen Outfitters on Instagram. Skeen Gun Dogs and Outfitters and, on Facebook. Yeah, and you're going to have a great experience. Um, he is actually a funny guy. <laughs> he's goofy looking, but he's a funny guy. And I uh, talk what weird. is it, face for radio? Yeah. 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 So Yeah, I had to ask if we were doing video today just so I'd know. <laughs> but, um, I mean, you're not going to have – you're not going to have a poor experience with him. Um, just, I couldn't tell you enough, reach out to him and, and you're going to, you're even when there's not, the conditions aren't good and everything, you're still going to have a great experience. And I can assure you, he's still going to put you on birds. Yep. We'll find him. Yep. It's just harder sometimes than others. Yeah. You got to earn your, earn uh, your keep. No, I appreciate that. And, um, yeah, if you're interested in, Hunting in Kansas. Well, Wade, I can't me. tell you how much we appreciate you coming in here. You're like again, you're part of our pro staff. Um, you know, we're putting this podcast together so that way that you know we want to get the information out there to people and just kind of let them know that you know we can help you. Or we're or we're going to try to help you in in any way we can. We're going to give you the information so that way you can make the best decision for yourself um, with regards to all things you know outdoors, um, the outdoor shooting sports, um, you know hunting, you know. W- 
here at the here at the shop, we uh, you know we're not just a um, archery shop. We're not just a gun shop. Um, we all we you know we've got blinds. We've got you know feeders. We've got tree stands. We've got you know decoys. You, decoys. You name it. Yep. And so we're we're bringing you know this podcast to you so that way we can try and educate you to give you the best experience you can have out there. Because let's just let's just be honest and face it that you know. When, when I was I'm kind of showing my age, but when I started, you know, I could count on one hand and have fingers left over places that I could go hunt. And now I can tell you, I can count on one hand and have fingers left over that I can hunt. Yeah. I'm, I don't know if I said that right. I could, I could count on one hand and have fingers left over that I couldn't go hunt on when right. I started. And now I can count on one hand and have fingers left over that I can go hunt on. And I'm, I'm born and raised here. So yeah. it's changed. And, and you want to have, the best success rate, and, and we're all busy people. Everybody's busy. Everybody's got families and and you know other things that are tying at them. So when you go out, you want to have the best opportunity you can to have the best success rate while you're out there. And that's what that's what we're doing here. We're Con- trying to control trying to, the controllables. There you go. Get, yeah. get get your stuff in order that you control can, one, can control, and you'll give yourself the best odds. Of one, success. one of my favorite uh, things that um, sayings that I, I kind of pieced together and stole from others is is that. There's an infinite amount of things that you have no control over, and there's a finite amount of things that you do have control over. And so that's why you have to be as close to perfect as you can with the things that you can control because the other things will happen. And when those happen, you want to be as best prepared to to be able to pivot, if you will. And, I think that's about as good of a final thought as you're going to come up with for this. <laughs> wow. I don't know. I don't know where that came from, but... Uh, Hey, thank you very much, yep, Wade. We really appreciate it. Powder and String Outfitters, downtown Wellington, Kansas. We're your hometown shop. Mm-hmm.